Welcome back into another edition of the Lockdown Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you smash the like button and, of course, subscribe <laughs> to the ESPN LA YouTube channel. And if you're listening to the audio accompaniment or you're not and you're like, wait a minute, there's an audio accompaniment. You go to the Sedano and Cap podcast, wherever you find your podcast and Lockdown will be a separate link in each and every part of the Sedano and Cap feed. So, for example, when we do Sedano and Cap, there's uh, the show is broken down by hour, the three different hours. Lockdown will be a separate hour. And today we are joined by friend <laughs> of the program, Ramona Shelburne, ESPN NBA insider, reporter. Uh, she is juggling babies and toddlers and NBA <laughs> investigative reporting at the same time. Momo, thank you for joining us. How's it going, George? Oh, it's going. Uh, but I think that you and I, this is the perfect time to have you on because yeah. I like to call this speculation season. Ooh. And, you know, I mean, listen, we're yeah. about we're what three weeks away from the trade deadline. So everybody is speculating. The ESPN trade machine is getting overworked at the moment. Everybody is logging on at the moment and trying to figure out how to make their teams better. You and I will discuss a good number of teams uh, here over the next couple of minutes and how they can potentially get better, or if you think that they may yeah. stand back. Right. So we'll get into some of that stuff. Now, you and I are based in L.A. Let's start with the L.A. teams. Now, everyone's going to want us to start with the Lakers. But you know what? You can hold on for a second if you're a Laker okay. fan, okay? <laughs> Let's start with the Clippers, who just a couple of weeks ago were in that kind of five, four, five, six range. Yeah. And now, all of a sudden, you know, Paul George goes down again. Kawhi's been in and out. Like, there's no consistency to this thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Bob Volgaris tweeted this out yesterday where he's like, look, I get the load management stuff, but this is kind of weird when you're the Clippers and you haven't won anything. And I'm kind of with Bob in that. Like, I've been in on the Clippers for the last couple of years. They're going to do it. They'll figure it out. But now I'm kind of out on them, at least for now. What do you make of the Clippers overall? And then we can kind of dive into what potential moves they could make, whether it's shipping guys out or bringing guys back in. Yeah, you know, sometimes when you're around a team, George, you can feel like they'll be fine. They have a confidence about them. They have a, they have a, I know how to win. We just need to get ourselves to the postseason and be healthy at the right time. I still feel that way about the Golden State Warriors. I, I know people are down on them and they have to figure out their bench and James Wiseman, yada, yada, yada. But I still feel like in the West, when it comes time for the playoffs, if they're healthy, they'll figure it out. And they'll either be in the conference finals or the finals. Like it's, it's just something I have a confidence about it with the Warriors. I don't have that confidence with the Clippers and I want to, because I think they do have the talent, but lately when I'm, when I've been around that team, it just feels like something ain't right. It's just something that's not, there's no center. Like it used to, I used to feel like Tyron Lue was, you know, on top of everything and, and everything was kind of going according to some sort of plan, even though it was a, a weird, frustrating load management plan, there was at least a plan. I don't necessarily feel like everyone's on the same page right now when yeah. you're talking about the Clippers. And a lot of that starts with Kawhi because he's so hard to put your finger on and figure out what, what he's doing and what he's going to be able to do and, when he's going to play, when he's not going to play. And it's just his style. It's, it's a, it's, if you can manage that, which I think the Toronto Raptors did really well for one year, the Clippers did really well for a year or two, but it's, it's, it's now year, what is it? Three, four of this. Um, and 
I think that um, the sort of constant just waiting for Godot, right? <laughs> waiting for Kawhi to show up and be Kawhi. Um, it just wears, it wears on people because everybody else has to kind of figure out how, what to do with the rest of their, with their with the, with how to prepare. And um, I don't know, I guess I was, I had a morning like this, okay? You know how you have a bunch of plans and you're, you're kind of waiting to commit to timing. Like you and I were trying to schedule this podcast and I was like, you were like, what time? And I was like, I think I want to say I had a call at 930 that was supposed to happen. And I thought, oh, let's make sure we give that at least a half hour, maybe 45 minutes. And then I'm going to probably need to see the baby before he takes a nap around 10, 10, 15. So like, let's say 11 just to be safe. Right. But I don't right. think I hit you back on it to say what time until the, the right before. And then like, but the 930 was not confirmed. It was like a probable. Right. 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 And then like there was something else that came in late that I, that I was like, Oh, I wish I could do that, but I don't know because there's something else that might come in that call. And, and that's kind of like what is It's like playing with Kawhi. Like, <laughs> you, you know, know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can't yeah. lock anything in. Like yeah. you just can't set your day and set your schedule and say, okay, I'm going to take the toddler to school and I'm going to make sure I bring my shoes so that I can go here afterwards. And after that, I'm doing this. Like it's impossible to set your schedule. And set your eyes or set your set your your framework around him because you just don't really have a good read on him from one day to the next. And I think it just gets that that that's what it feels like to me when I'm around the Clippers. It's just sort of like a somebody who doesn't tell you until the last second if you're going to do something, and you sort of have to leave open the possibility that you might do something with them. Yeah, Are you getting my metaphor I, here? I, I, I totally get it. And look, you know? it's it's funny because when I, I have, I've only done one of their games this year. So I talked to mm -hmm. someone there and I asked them at that time, cause it was like December ish. Yeah. And I was like, Hey, so are you guys kind of annoyed? You didn't get a Christmas game. And the person responded to me and said, why would we be annoyed? We don't even know who's going to play night tonight. Yeah. Like, so why would we get a Christmas game? And then the other thing that kind of, you, you just kind of like made me think about, um, I've had Phoenix a million times this year and obviously uh -huh. they're dealing with their own set of injuries and Monty Williams has consistently talked to us about, you know, how the drive into work when you're a player is different based on whether you're going to be a starter or you're yeah. going to be a backup, particularly for guys who are not normally starters, yeah. right? Um, and he was talking about kind of his own situation coming up in the league yeah. as a player, right? Like when he knew all of a sudden a player was going to be out and he had to get the start, that drive in was different than yeah. when he knew he was going to be a backup on that particular night, right? Like the yeah. entire way you got ready for the game is totally. different. And with the Clippers, for example, you know, Marcus Morris Sr. and Reggie Jackson, let's just say, um, have a completely different idea of what their workload is going to be yeah. when those two guys, or at least one of those guys, isn't playing, let alone when both of them aren't playing. And to your point, we've learned this. I mean, at least I have it. I'm sure yeah. you have it as well. Guys, man, they love their rhythm, okay? Yeah. They, love, they are creatures of habit. And when you break them out of their habit and there's no habits to actually attach yourself to, then it becomes even more potentially chaotic when it yeah. comes to in-game scenarios. Yeah. And I think the other, the other big thing with the Clippers is they have, I would say there's two, there's three issues. One is the sort of nightly unpredictability, inability to lock anything in or build some rhythm. Like James Harden had a line to me the other night. He's like, we just need to catch a rhythm catch a rhythm, you know, like there's, how can you catch a rhythm when it's just so different every day? Um, but the other, the other thing is 
they really have been disappointed in the point guard play that they've gotten this year, right? John Wall was a big signing for them. He's had some good moments, but it hasn't really been the answer there. Reggie Jackson was starting for a while, and then he's kind of fallen out of the rotation a bit, or he's in and out, but depending yeah. on who's playing. Um, Terrence Mann has been the new guy they're trying there, and I think he's been really – he's been good there, but he's not a traditional point guard. Right. So. The, a lot of the point guarding duties are coming from Paul and Kawhi of the running the offense, which is good. They're both very capable. They're great at have with the ball in their hands and they're both capable of initiating an offense. But again, that's not their skill set either. In a way, they'd be better off with a um, with like a, a more traditional point guard who could just take some of the strain off of them in terms of offense creation. Because when you're spending a lot of money, a lot of energy creating offense then that's that's energy you don't have on the back end to on defense or that's energy you don't necessarily have in, with your legs as you're trying to shoot um, you know a lot of a lot of threes or you're it's 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 a so carryover effect for both guys and so i think they just need a little help in the playmaking department um but they've that's been trying been a thing for them forever i feel yeah. like since those yeah. two guys have been there you know but but it's also um the type of point guard that you want it's we're not talking about a, a huge star like, right. you know, there's a there's a sense like if you just kind of had like a, you know, Monty Morris type, right? Like a right. a good role player, who can, you know, organize an offense like that would be good for them. They that would really that might really help. And in some ways, Reggie can do that. But he's also kind of a scoring point guard. So it's it's they've never quite had the right fit because finding the right kind uh, of point uh, TJ McConnell. Yeah. Yeah. TJ McConnell, somebody like that. Yeah. Um, and so I think. That's that's part of the issue here. And then I think the larger issue, and this is a just a generic issue. I think we saw this with the Lakers a couple of years ago when they went out and it was the year after the championship when they went and added to a lot of um, they added like Marc Gasol and they added, you know, a bunch of other players and to get some more depth. They just ended up creating confusion. So the Clippers have a lot of really good wing players. Yeah. They have a lot of depth in those positions, but that also means you have confusion in roles and people are just different night to night. And what night is Batum going to play and which night is Rocco going to get more time? And what night is, you know, when, it, when is Norman Powell going to shine and are they all going to play together? And if so, then who does what? So there's right. a lot of duplication of talent, which Rather than saying, oh, we have a, a lot of great depth that should be great on a team where our two best players are in and out of the lineup all the time, that, that could be a positive. But in this case, I think it's sort of creating a bit of um, confusion and a, and it's hard for people to find their roles. Yeah, they have too many guys. Like, they, that's yeah. the, you never would think that an NBA yeah. team would feel like that's the case. Yeah. But they have too many guys. And to your point, there's duplication there. There's guys that yeah. have similar skill sets. Like Robert Covington, I thought for a while, I'm like, I guess they're going to trade him because he doesn't really play. Yeah. And by the yeah. way, a lot of teams could use a Robert Covington. Totally. Who's got a manageable contract. Yep. He signed for one more year at $11 million. Like Lawrence Frank and that group are going to have to figure out, which is why I, when I started this conversation with you, and maybe this is where we'll go yeah. now, is do they just need to ship guys out yeah. and get better fits as opposed to just accumulating talent? Yeah, because I think there's a there because Ty Lue is such a good coach, you want to give him a lot of options of how to play in different lineup combinations. So they have a, they have some big lineups with Moses Brown and Ibiza Zubac. They have the, some of those kind of lineups. So you figure when they play Denver, 
Like you, you're going to want Zubats in there against Jokic, right? right? Yeah. When yeah. they play Minnesota, you want some bigs in there because they got two bigs, right? You get Carl oh. Towns and Gobert. But when you play the Warriors, you're going to have to go small. So like, it's nice to have a bit of a, a mix and a match quality, but, but I think at this point in the season, at least it feels muddled. Yeah. That's the right word. It feels muddled. Um, by the way, can you get like a product placement here? I don't know. Yeah. Just water. Drinking yeah. this, uh, the hint of lemon. I'm, I'm sort of mildly obsessed with that. And then my other find is a uh, wonder melon with Ooh. the, uh, lemon cayenne. Okay. Sounds gross, but super good. Yeah. <laughs> I will be drinking them throughout our podcast. All right, let's do it. Yeah. Hydrate. Always keeping hydrated is important. I just have a regular old glass of water. You know, you want to get some sponsorship for your pod. So I'll just, you yeah, know, we, we can, well, hopefully that will happen sooner rather than later, <laughs> um, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. So I, I just think to, to your point, they got to move. They got to make moves. And I honestly think they could use another big man um, because Zubats tends to sit in certain mm-hmm. scenarios. And I almost feel like they need not this guy, obviously, because he's on a team that's, you know, in the thick of it. But like yeah. a, Nick, a Nick Claxton type, right, where they is a little well, everybody more love a Nick Claxton type, right? He's, yeah. he's having a great yeah. year. A little more rangy, right? And, can, yeah. can you know, just more athletic. Uh, Zoo has been fantastic for them. I know that there's been chatter about Miles Turner, um, but I just don't know how they get to someone like Miles Turner, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, you know, like the Lakers last year, I remember they had a similar thing. Like we, they they had so many older, older players. At some point, they just needed someone with some energy. Yeah. So they went and got Wenyan Gabriel, yeah. who's been great for them. Yeah. Like every every game is a Wenyan Gabriel game because he's bouncy and he's energetic and he's got some, you know, he's got a little range. He can guard on the perimeter, too. So you think like the Clippers move is a more traditional point guard? Um, because, look, they've got a kid that they're trying to j- develop it. Uh, Jason Peters, right? I believe. Preston, yeah. Preston, sorry, Jason yeah. Preston. Um, and look, I think eventually maybe he turns into that guy. I've seen him play in the G League a ton of times. Yeah. Uh, and this is kind of the other thing with them that we haven't even discussed. Sorry, I, I, Jason okay. Presley is a uh, is is an actor. Uh, Jason Preston. Well, there's also um, Jason Priestley. And there is Jason Priestley from 90210, correct. Um, That's probably what you had on the brain. That is probably what I had on my brain. But (laughs) And and then they have this whole other group of young guys who played really well for them last year when all these guys were hurt. Brandon Boston, Jason, uh, well, uh, Jason Preston didn't play. But uh, Terrence Mann, who I feel like they kind of messed with his development. Amir Coffey is another guy that they have. The, those guys played a ton last year and this year have not played very much. Well, so, yeah, because they went and got John Wall. Right. And, and to your right, then Norman Powell is healthy and they have Robert Cummington on the roster. So they need to figure out what they're going to do. And some of those young guys, honestly, I think can help them in this yeah. potential trade scenario because there are teams that would covet some of those guys too. Yeah. And I, I think, um, you know, it's a, it's a, there's a part of me that says, you should just let this group play it out and find a catch a rhythm, you know, catch yeah. a rhythm as, as hard says. Um, and another part of me says, uh, just make some decisions so everybody can have some clarity. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm sure those are the discussions that are taking place in that well-stocked front office of theirs. Yeah. Uh, again, they're in kind of a weird place. There's yeah. we well-stocked there. They, they have so many, they have like five GMs that could be jams at any other team. <laughs> like they have five of them. But it also goes to show you how much people love living in LA, right? That I'm yeah. like, yeah. Well, they also have an owner who can pay five GMs. That's you know? true. That yeah. is true too. There's that part of the equation, and they value differences of opinion and yeah. people who can do research, and they go out and take swings on guys like Lee Jenkins, who's a 
who's a great uh, information collector and uh, analyzer of personalities. Like it's a well-stocked front office, which yeah. I think is, and I, and I say this because it's a contrast to the other team in Los Angeles um, who just is, you know, they have one decision maker and they right. have a couple of other voices in there, but not, not a lot of other voices. There's a sort of singular focus and decision-making with the Lakers. Whereas with the Clippers, um, you know, Lawrence Frank is there, but then you also have Mike Winger and, right. and Trent and, uh, you know, there's so many different people there yeah. um, who, you know, where, where's to, you know, I don't know if you'd say what's one's better than the other, but it's, they're very different ways of, op- of operating. Certainly completely different philosophy. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about that, but uh, I am curious to see what they do because they have maneuverability because people say, well, they don't have assets to give up to get like a Miles Turner, yeah. but maybe Indiana covets those young guys we just talked yeah, about. Yeah, and they also have know. a lot of, and they also have a lot of very manageable contracts. Right, and, right. They have contracts from yeah. all, all over the place. They got a guy who makes 6 million, a guy who makes 12 yeah. million, a guy who makes, you know, 30 million, yeah. whatever, you know what I mean? 15 and Morris. So they've got a lot of different m- contracts that they can maneuver around with some some young players, I'll be them not picks. I, you know, look, you and I've had this conversation, the picks thing to me, like I get it um, in certain scenarios. I just think now we've, we've jumped the shark with picks. Now, yeah. you know, not every pick is going to end up being Giannis. Attentico, no. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, it, like we need to stop with this where like all of a sudden it's five picks, four picks and four pick swaps. All Like, I, I mean, listen, get it if you can get it, but that doesn't mean all of that is yeah. going to work out. And I say that mostly not only to teams, but to fans too, because yeah. they just assume like, oh, this is going to work out. I mean, if you look at every draft, if I had to guess, what do you have? Two, maybe three impact players. Like maybe, there's probably like one and a half to two franchise players in every draft. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. So you're buying lottery tickets is what you're buying in those scenarios when you're buying picks and pick swaps. They're not all going to work out. doesn't mean you can't get role players that work in this, that, and the other, if you have a good front office. But I just feel like this whole thing that picks are this panacea. I I don't buy that either. Okay. So, um, but let's talk about the Lakers because you brought them up. Yeah. And, um, Oh boy. Um, they have had a interesting season to say the least Mm -hmm. where, you know, they, they've had good runs and they've had bad runs. They've had awful injury luck as they've had really for the last several years. Um, let's start with the injury stuff. OK, and then we can get into kind of the team yeah. uh, a little later and then potentially what they can do from a maneuverability standpoint. Where are we with A.D.? I know that Dave McMiniman was on my radio show recently said, hey, A.D. could be back potentially in a week. And that was just a couple of days ago. Um, yeah. Where are we on the ramp up process? Okay. With so I, I have some some fresh stuff for you there, George. Um, he is uh, he's really pushing it this week. The idea is he's really going to try to test it in the ramp up this week. And, you know, the, let's let's frame the whole let's back up and frame the whole situation a little bit better, because I don't know if people have really have their their heads around this. OK, um, the injury he has is a scary injury for any big man. And really for anybody, but especially for big men, it's the same kind of injury Joel Embiid had when he was a rookie. It cost him a couple seasons. It's the same kind of injury Yao Ming had that like ended his career in a lot of ways. So it's the the stress reaction is scary, which is why they have been so cautious with it. So you get these sort of conflicting reports that he feels really good or he feels fine, but they are all very cautious and scared to to really do much with it because of what could happen if things go the wrong way with it. Um, you know, you don't want to 
push him too hard or too early before he's had a chance to calm down um, and then have him be out for two years. Like you just don't want that potential. You always say with an injury, can it get worse? This one can get worse. So that's why they're being so cautious. So anybody who tells you they know when he's coming back is doing you a disservice because they don't know. You don't know how it's going to be because you have to be this cautious. Um, as he is ramping up, he has to eventually test it. And so he's, you know, the idea is he's going to push it hard this week, next week, seeing how he feels afterwards. But he has to, he hasn't really been able to do all that much, which means you need three, four, five days of, of pretty hard work, but then also conditioning to get back to play in an NBA game. I mean, you can't just not do anything from, it's been, what was it, December 18th he got hurt? Yeah. So it's been a month. You can't, you can't go light, you know, for a month and then all of a sudden be, have your wind and your conditioning to play in an NBA game. I'm sure he's been able to do some kind of conditioning that's not load-bearing, but it's not the same as running up and down a basketball court. So I think this week is really important, and then especially next week to see how he comes through, how he tests it. You know, there's a there's a sense, could he play next week? I would be highly skeptical of that just because of, I, uh, of how cautious I know they have to be with it. But could, you know, early February or, um, you know, right before the trade deadline be okay? Maybe if everything goes well. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine if you're him, I actually think that the, the like a good target would be that week before the trade deadline because, yeah. well, for for obvious reasons, if you're the Lakers, yeah. that would be the ideal scenario too because you could see what you have. Yeah. Um, and he also then has about a week off to kind of yeah. rest because of the All-Star break, right? Like yeah. So that actually m- makes a ton of sense for a number of different reasons, both for him individually and for the team. Uh, look, I mean, he was playing out of his mind in this yeah. you know, when he was healthy and we were finally starting to see bubble AD again. So that was certainly something that I think yeah. we're excited about. And then there was remember, remember back then a month ago. It's so funny how a month ago feels like seven years ago. It's like yeah. dog years in the NBA. Remember a month ago we were when he was playing at that level, we were like, wait, but can LeBron play with him? Like, wait, what are we talking about here? Like, yeah. LeBron can't play with him? Like, we yeah. saw them play together. Like, and like, no, but AD needs to be the man. Can LeBron be secondary? I'm like, LeBron has been yelling for that, it seems like, for two years or three yeah. years that he could be the man. Um, so I, I don't think – it's funny how where we are now. Meanwhile, LeBron is playing all supernova uh, again in these scenarios. He's unbelievable right now. Yeah, yeah. It's just – forget about just, like – for a 38-year-old, he's playing incredible for a 28-year-old. I right think now. he's, like, leading the NBA and scoring for the past month. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. Like, you know what I think it is? I think Kareem's record's in sight, and he just wants to get there as soon as he can. And get it over with. Yeah. Yeah, and there's also there's also something in my head, okay? Okay. They play the Knicks in Madison Square Garden January 31st. Right. Now, that is well ahead of – um the target or the projected time. Right. Most of the projections are that week before the all-star break and the trade deadline. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That maybe that home game against Milwaukee. But if he, if he keeps it going, if he keeps it rolling, he could get there for that Madison square garden game. Like what if he gets to Madison square garden and he needs 50, what if he's 50 away? Right. You know, I mean, well, well, right now he's at like 287 away. I want to say somewhere in that range. He needs about like 28, 29 points a game, which he certainly can average because that's kind of what the thing is. So let's just call it 10 games. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten would put him at Oklahoma City. He would need to go crazy because the Knicks is seven games away. That's okay. yeesh, that's tough. 
You t- you toss in a couple thirty fives, a couple a couple forties. Yeah, yeah. It's he needs to get he needs to have at least a couple forties before that. I think I think if he gets within sixty before that Madison Square Garden game, it's on. You think he's going for it? Right, going there. for it. Yeah, because you know LeBron loves to do things, big things in the garden. Oh yeah, everybody wants to everybody wants to have a show in the garden. Yeah. He's always talked about that. He's always he's always mentioned it. Like Steph Curry broke the three point record in the garden. Remember. Yeah. I mean yeah. that's a great that's a great stage to do it. Um, so if he if he can get himself within sixty for that game, yeah, watch out. Well, I'm personally rooting for him to take a few games off because I'm calling the uh, February 11th game at Golden State on ESPN Radio. That would be a good and, one. And yeah, I, I would I would prefer Bron if you want to take a few games off, okay, at this pace that you're going right now, so that way I can have a legendary call on ESPN radio selfishly. I would, I would appreciate that if you could do that. Yeah. 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 Let's make it all about you. (laughs) (laughs) Just come on, do a brother a favor. Come on. I know. I know. Uh, So anyway, uh, now let's get into some of the stuff he has said. Uh, You and I've talked about this on radio. Boy, Um, he just, he, he is, he is a must watch. Like last night I actually skipped the game against, uh, against the Kings because I had been to so many games lately. It's like, you know, there's been a lot of teams that are, you know, both the Lakers and Clippers have been home a lot. So I just picking my spots a little. Yeah. And uh, and I skipped the game. So I watched it on TV and I, and I was like, I was about to turn it off on the post game. No, I like, no never. Wait, I gotta wait for LeBron. Gotta never. Wait for LeBron. <laughs> and he took a long time yesterday. <laughs> he did. Uh, in the Kings game. I was like, come on. Is he not going to talk okay. to me? Like, what are we doing? Yeah, I'm watching Spectrum. I want to I want to move on and watch my Bravo shows, move on with my night, go work out a little bit. Nope. Nope. I got to wait for LeBron. <laughs> yeah, same thing. I yeah. I always well, it's funny. I always tell people, um, like when I go on like these local radio hits or somebody else's podcast, yeah. I always say the best television isn't always just the game. Like the games obviously are fantastic, yeah. but the post games to watch your coach post games are amazing are incredible. Like yeah, I I was t- I was having this conversation with the Denver folks a while back, and I actually said this to Michael Malone too. I said. Early this season, when you were literally openly openly pining for your team to play defense on those post games, was some of the best yeah. television I had seen. He's like, "We're playing great in the clutch. I don't understand why we can't just play that kind of defense the entire yeah. game." And it was hilarious to watch. And he 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 chuckled. He didn't think it was that funny though. Yeah. Um, but to your point, these post games are great. So Bron talks yesterday. I actually thought LeBron was very measured yesterday and had like a good perspective despite the fact they lost that game, whereas clearly the game before that, he uh, well, the last loss before Ooh. that, he was fuming um, in the games previous to that. The Dallas game, he was not thrilled. Um, you know, and he has Philly had... Philly game. Yeah, Philly game as well. Okay. Can we, can, can we just... Um, I, I don't want to rant. I don't, I don't want this to sound like a rant. Go, go. But I just feel Here's like it. because I've watched so many of these games at home and in person... Um, it's like I've seen this movie before. Like I, we have to find a stat of how many times they've been within five points uh, of a team late in the game, especially yeah. an over five hundred team where they should have won the game. And there's some sort of uh, bad play or two, mostly involving Westbrook, right. um, and they and they lose. And it's just I've seen that movie before, and it's really hard to watch because you kind of feel it coming. It's like Jaws. You're like, do, 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 right? Like you can feel like, yeah. where's the meltdown going to come? Yeah. Where's the weird turnover? Where's the, you know, the, they're going to bait him into trying to drive when he should pass it to LeBron or at least LeBron should go get the ball. Yeah. Um, against Philly, 
it was an especially i mean it oh was like God. i could have written the script yeah it was brutal you know they they had they had philly right on the ropes well, and, and, well, but are you with me on this? When Russ fumbled the ball, when Joel was oh, guarding him, right there, he, 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 or, or he needs to swing it. Like he needs to move it. If you look at the play, yes. Schroeder goes to him, like, like, like leans towards him, like give 100%. me the ball. And, and he did it. And then Schroeder could have swung it to LeBron because there was still like nine or 10 seconds on okay, the clock. So let's even back run. up further though. Okay. Yeah. So I almost, I've, I don't even want to say that I've changed my view of it because I still have the same view, which is that, Russ has just got, he's actually been really good. He should be getting a lot of credit for embracing yeah. the six man role. Correct. He, you know, I think, you know, he's in there running for six man of the year. Yeah. hundred percent. And I, and I would have never guessed that coming into the season. And I want to give him his flowers for that because I no none of us saw that coming and, and good for you and good for Darvin Ham for, for getting him to a place where he could embrace that. And yeah. he's actually been very effective in that second unit kind of making that his own. Yeah. But at the end of games, there's just so many times where there's a play where the other team, it's like, it's like you don't even need a scouting report. It's just they bait Russ into doing something like that because they'll they'll put a big on him or they'll they'll sort of show him a single team and they'll they, there's a sort of expectation that Russ is just gonna go try to win this. He's gonna he's gonna try to take the last shot or whatever it is. And when he should swing it, when he should all the other things that he's been doing all game long the right way go out the window and it's it's um but I think I almost had a different view of it in that Philly game because there was a lot of time on the it was a lot of time on the clock for that last play yep and Russ goes to get the ball like he goes like I'm the I'm the point guard on the court here and, and by the way shooters on the court too but Russ goes to get the ball from the from the inbounder and Braun is kind of near him on the other side of the court but like if you're if you're in this, like if you're Braun and you've seen this movie before and you've been doing everything, part of me just says, go over to Russ and do a dribble handoff. Like just grab the ball from him. Right. Like don't let him, don't let him do what we all know is coming next. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, with my toddler, like I know, I yeah. know when he sees something, oh, like he's going to, yeah. he sees that ball pit and it's bedtime. Yeah. And I'm like, don't let him see the ball pick because you know what he's going to do. He's going to run over there and jump in it. He can't yeah. help himself. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, it's it's like his nature. That, like <laughs> Russ at the end of a game is like, I got this. Let's go. I'm yeah. I'm I'm going to win this. Yes. And I and you know, good for you for having that confidence. But it's like you have to save him from himself. Yes. Yeah. Like, so I, part of me is like, run, run over and do a dribble handoff. Like, like just grab the ball from him. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. I just don't see that happening either, though. Like, but I, but I do get it, right? You like, see what I mean? Like, have it, if this was the first time, okay. If this was the fifth time, okay. But it's yeah. like the tenth time. Yeah, yeah. To your point, they're they're ten and twelve in clutch games, which is five points uh, within five points in the last five minutes. And it's funny because they're we focus on their offense as we do generally in this sport. Yeah. Their offense is actually not terrible in that spot. They're actually no. pretty good. Their offense yeah. is the 10th best offensive rating in clutch time. You know where they're really bad? Their defense is 28th in yeah. clutch time. They are giving up 123 points per 100 possessions Ooh. in clutch time. It is wow. god awful. The only teams worse than them, the Charlotte Hornets and the Detroit Pistons in clutch Both time. Both teams who are trying to lose right now. Right. Okay. So that like that's the issue <laughs> that I think people need to focus on. Yeah. Is like, that's part of the equation too, but Yeah. For, my thing to you is like he's clearly LeBron that is openly pining for help. How realistic is the help? 
I don't see it as all that realistic. I see it, there's there's a few trades they could they could make, um, but everything. See, here's the problem when you don't have a lot of firsts. Like you have to, you don't have a lot of assets. Like you you have to be really really judicious with them, and you have to you have to um, you can't just like waste them. You know how like you have a lot of money, you can buy stuff and hope it works out, and then you go. Oh, I'll try and return that on Amazon if it doesn't work out, but you right. probably never do because you don't get around to it and it just yeah. sits around. Although, although if you're listening right now, you want to return something to Amazon, you can just go to your local Kohl's and they'll actually do it for you. There you oh, go. Yeah. There's a, it's there's really a life easy hack. to return things on Amazon and yet people just don't. Like yeah. people just don't. I know I don't. I, I yeah. try to. And like every once in a while, I'll take like five things back. Oh, uh, like, no. My wife is great at that stuff. I'm like, that's got to go. She's like, boom, it's on. It's Let's done go. right away. Yeah. yeah. This isn't going to work. Let's return it. Um, but I think with like, you know, with the Lakers, like they like everybody else has more picks than them. And so they don't have to be as, as stingy with their picks. Right. So like a player like, OK, uh, you know, you've you've heard the Knicks come up a little bit. Cam Reddish is a name I've heard. Emmanuel yeah. quickly, you know, right. yada, yada, yada. But a first round pick is a lot. Right. Especially an unprotected first. Well, and so, I wouldn't do a first round pick for those guys you mentioned. Yeah. You know, Bogdanovich in Detroit, there's probably a Nerlens Noel component to that kind of package as well. Yeah. Um, I might do that. He's averaging 20 points a game. The guy's a good, really good player. Um, yeah. But a lot of other teams want him too. Like, that's the, that's the problem. Wait, and they right. have more to give. And Detroit has at least said, I don't know how much I buy this, and you would know way more than me, that they may not deal him in, in this scenario. I know. Here's the other thing if you're the Lakers, okay? Now he's on a good contract. I think it's he's on a descending contract. It's 19 next year and yeah. eight the year after that. But that takes you out of your cap space for the following year where you're going to have about 30 million. So it's, it's like a been, really tough scenario. Yeah, and they have been very very protective of their cap space for next year. Right. Which is something that we used to hear in the Jim Buss uh Mitch Kupchak era of like, oh, cap space, cap space. Right. It's not usually how you get players in the NBA these days. Like very rarely do you get a free agent by creating cap space. And if if you need to create more cap space later, you can. There's always teams that will take your, you know, your bad contracts if you're willing right. to incentivize them. Um, because they're trying to reach a salary floor, et cetera. So they have been protective of that in other trades and other trade discussions. If so, it's almost like that's another asset. Cap space is another asset. It's like another, I wouldn't call it the same value of, as a first round pick, but it's it's up there in terms of assets. There's like young players, there's future first, and there's cap space. Right. And if you look at the free agents this year, George, like there, there are some really interesting names. Now, I'm not convinced Draymond Green will be a free agent. I'm, I, I could Ooh. see a scenario where he just picks up the player option and stays there. He has a pretty big player option. Um, and the teams that have cap space, I'm not sure really are going to want to commit all of it to him at his age and et cetera. He, he might be better off just staying right where he is. Yeah. Um, so we'll uh, see. Draymond Green, Draymond Green, just for posterity, his player option is $27.5 million. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah. That's a lot of money to turn down and hope to make back up on your next deal. Right. Um, and, um, you know, I think what's interesting is uh, she is, is like, there's, but there's other guys like James Harden has a player option. He can be a free agent. Right. Kyrie Irving, free agent. Chris Middleton, free agent. Fred Van Vliet, et cetera. These are – most of these players will probably just re-sign with their teams that we're mentioning. Chris Middleton probably. Um, Van – I think also um, when you talk about a guy like James Harden, that's a 
that's an interesting name. I mean, James Harden and Kyrie, those are those are two interesting names because okay. they kind of do what the Lakers need. Okay, so you, you say that. And look, Kyrie has been linked to the Lakers in cap space even yeah. before. I mean, we were talking, yeah. I, 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 it was not realistic, but like right. him taking the mid-level or something ridiculous like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're going to have about $30 million. You have James Harden out there. You have Kyrie potentially out there. How realistic are those options for the Lakers at not max money? Right. I, I mean, it kind of depends on what the other market for those players is. I think Kyrie has played well enough that there will be other other uh, teams that will that will be interested in him. Um, but for how long? Okay, how long how long a contract does he get? I think he's probably because of his history and behavior over the past few years. I think he's probably a two and one guy or a one and one guy, like a you know two year contract but a team option on the second, or at best maybe a three year contract with a team option on the on the on the last year. Um, so I, you know, that's, it's not going to be that, that deep of a market for him, but he's, he's so talented. I, I, I do think there'll be teams that will, that will talk themselves into him, um, and, and at least, and try to protect themselves on the deal. Uh, and then James Harden. Okay. He, he's turned out so much money, George. You think about how much money that man has turned down in Houston in in Brooklyn. I mean, that was a max extension. He'd be making $60 million a year at the end of that extension that he turned down in Brooklyn. I think the idea was that he was going to get that contract in Philly, but he hasn't, he hasn't been offered that. And he hasn't played up to that level where you could, you could say, all right, you're going to feel good about him making $62 million a year when he's age 38, you know? Um, And I think that situation in Philly feels very tenuous to me um, in terms of that, that team, that roster construction, um, Tyrese Maxey's due for a big payday. I, I I can't imagine that they would mess around with that. He's going to get paid. He's a really good player, and he's young, and he's willing to come off the bench, which a lot of players in his position would not be willing to do. But he's he's doing it, and he's doing really well. Uh, DeAnthony Melton's been good for them, but Embiid's under contract long term. Tobias Harris is up for an extension, I guess. Um, it's a very expensive team that if they don't win this year. And, and what does win mean? I think it means at least out of the second round. Just have to get past that second round ceiling. If they if they lose in the second round again, what happens to that whole team? Oh, I think if they lose in the second round again, to your point, Harden could be gone, right? Because he could opt out yeah. and figure out what he wants to do, which then means what happens with the big fella in that situation, right? Like what happens to Embiid if all of a sudden they lose another star, I mean, that's like the worst case scenario for Daryl Morey. Obviously, Harden leaves and then Embiid is not satisfied with the current situation. I mean, the coach could be in peril in that scenario, too. Yeah. There could be a lot of moving parts there. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a there's a lot of um, there's a lot of teams that I feel like there's um, instability or pressure this year to win. And then there could be a lot of changes if they don't. And so, you know, this is this is something to watch. But like Kyrie and James are interesting ideas. Um for, for a team like the Lakers, it would be a they have enough money to to compete in terms of a in terms of an offer, and they'd have to be taking a considerable risk. But the skill sets for both players are there. Like who plays well next to LeBron historically? Gu- guards like Dwayne Wade and Kyrie Irving, or a big like Anthony Davis. Right? James Harden is a fantastic shooter. He's not a great catch and shoot guy. But he's a he's another shot creator. He doesn't have to get by you to create offense. Like he's somebody who can carry the load. Um, 
you know, Kyrie obviously has already played well next to LeBron and would probably have a different, have a, have a, a nice reunion, you know, it would probably feel good to him to play with them again. Right. There's a, there's a sort of familiarity there, even though there's, there was a, a trade request to, to not play together, but there, there's some interesting options. I, I don't see Middleton being an option just because he's with the Bucks. Why would he leave? Um, Van Vliet's another, another really good player, but Toronto has to decide what it's going to do. So there, they, that cap space is valuable because there, there are free agent situations that are intriguing this summer. Right. And look, Kyrie already has the history, as you mentioned, so you know how that's going to fit on the floor. The Harden yeah. one to me is fascinating because he does need the ball in his hands. Yeah, We've seen how that with Russ hasn't been always so great, except obviously the mu- a much bigger difference. James a better passer than Russ. Uh, James also a much better shooter, as you pointed out, than Russ. So the spacing is a lot better in those scenarios. It's not as clunky as it would be with yeah. Russ. But Good Lord, good Lord. Could you imagine to your point if let's say, cause you know, Philly was just in town recently with yeah. uh, the, to play the, the two LA teams. I know Miami and Dallas were too. And I want to touch on them briefly. Cause I know that, um, you know, since they were in town, I'm sure you, you know, you've, you've observed stuff about those teams as well, but could you imagine that let's say Philly does worst case scenario does happen. They lose again in the second round. Right. And Harden's like, see ya, I'm out. Sorry, Daryl, I love you, but I got to figure something out on my own now. And that option is there for the Lakers. I mean, that that was literally, I mean, I know Rob Palenka talked about Contavious Caldwell pulping mana from heaven, but that would literally be mana from heaven. You know what, though? Can we revisit the KCP mana, mana from heaven thing? Sure. They miss him. He was a good player. They do. He's been great for Denver. He's so been here's great the thing. for Denver. You the, know, the, their four best lineups, the four best lineups yeah. in Denver all have Joker, obviously. Aaron Gordon and Contavious Caldwell Pope. Those I know. Are the He's a good player. Yeah. Like, I think people just dismissed him as a role player the same way they dismissed Kuzma. And then when you don't have those role players on your team, it's like, oh, what, <laughs> why does the team not work? Because there's not enough depth and there's not a great rotation place. Contavious Caldwell Pope was a really good on-ball defender. He was exa- he didn't need the ball. He was a good catch-and-shoot guy. Like, they really missed him. I think he was one of those guys that you threw into a trade and, and people thought of as an afterthought. And and that was that was really a um, – you know, people are still – you know, I know Laker fans get upset about Alex Caruso. Yeah. I think they miss KCP more. I agree. A hundred percent of all those three guys. I know Kuz gets, you know, he puts up a lot of points, Kuz, I know, but, I, but I think KCP of those three is the yep. most valuable in regards to what they need yep. right now. Um, wow. So, all right. So keep an eye out for free agency. And if now here's the thing, if they don't do anything though, you then have to sell LeBron on, Hey, the cap space is what's going to solve this and figure this mm-hmm. out for us. Yeah. But like, Last year, what was the discussion that everybody wanted? Russ has to be traded. Russ has to go. Like, why, what are they going to do if they don't trade Russ? They're really going to bring Russ back? And I remember the whole time I was like, yes, they're going to bring Russ back. You did. And they're, they're going to have, they're going to get a new coach and they're going to find somebody who's going to make it work or they're going to die trying. Right. <laughs> okay. And guess what? Darwin Ham has made this work. Yeah. No. That's not a shot at Frank Vogel. I, I think Frank's a really good coach. And I think that was a fairly impossible situation last year. Yes. Russ had to be humbled enough to be willing to even consider changing. And last year he was not. This year he was, especially two, three games in the year. I mean, I thought he was five games away from being sent home and and maybe never to play in the NBA again. I mean, he was wow. that close to being 
sent off to Exile Island, right? John Wall Island, whatever you want to call it. And um, he he got it together and he's really done well embracing this role. It, it's just the end of games is very frustrating, but but I think he he um, he's kind of been exactly what they needed. The, uh, the, the whole selling point for Russ was he's durable. He plays every game. When LeBron or AD or both eventually get hurt, Russ is able to carry the team and Russ is able to give you 20, 30 points. He's done that. He's been yeah, doing he, that. And that's he has embraced, he's embraced the role. And look, early this season, first month or so into the season, they were like something ridiculous, like eight points worse when he was on the floor. Now, I mean, it's not a lot, but they're 0.3 points better. That's a huge swing when you it's think something. about it. Yeah. It's something. It's something. And like, I don't know what Darvin said to him. I don't know what Russ said to Darvin. I don't know if there was other people involved. I, my understanding is his, his new agent, Jeff Schwartz has done a good job um, in this, uh, in this situation, sure. in this, in this role. Um, but I think a lot of it was just Darvin and Russ getting on the same page and, and somehow Darvin getting through to him. Yeah. You know, well, Darvin, earning Darvin, that trust. Darwin has clearly made some rookie mistakes as a coach, and he's been open about that. And that's part of the growing process. But I think, to your point, managing the egos has been something that he's been fantastic at. And that is a huge part of being an NBA coach. There's no doubt. Huge part, especially for for this kind of a team. Yeah, right. With three future Hall of Famers, you know, this is – I've been – I I remember when he first took over the job, and uh, I remember one of the funny things I have in early – I was like, is Patrick Beverly going to do a podcast? Oh boy. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. As if we, you know, like, like there's, this is like that team where you already had the LeBron AD Russ thing. Then you have Pat Bev and he's going to probably talk because he's, he's a talker. Yeah. He's, I mean, we've had him on TV with us, right? He's a talker. I mean, this is going to be a, a wild show. Yeah. And he, I, it hasn't been that bad. Like, yeah. In it, terms it of hasn't. drama. Right. It, and, and honestly, if they're healthy, I, I still, you know, in an open West, they may still have a shot at at least being a playoff team um, and being uh, interesting at, at that time of year. I agree. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I actually believe that that's if they can get healthy yeah. and that's a big if because we talked about it with the Clippers to start this podcast. I think that they are a team you don't want to see. Like if you're Memphis or Denver, like, do you want to see like the Lakers as a seven or eight? Or do you want to see? Golden State as a senator, like you don't, you don't want to, especially if all those teams are healthy, like that's not necessarily like a great reward for being the one or two seed or three seed, depending on the scenario. All right. Last thing before we let you go, and you've been great with your time. So uh, we mentioned that uh, Dallas and Miami also have, has been through here. There's been a lot of teams doing the double dip in LA where they've had a bunch of days off in LA. Uh, Let's do Miami first and then Dallas last. Uh, Miami I mean, when they lost that game to the Lakers, they beat the Clippers. Eric Spolster was beside himself because no AD, no LeBron, and they clearly relaxed. And they kind of used that game. Like, I that to yeah. me was the low point of the year for them where yeah. like Spolster was like, like he was furious yeah. at them yeah. in that effort. Um, but they have since then turned it around. They've played fairly well uh, moving forward. They've now crept to the sixth spot yeah. uh, in the Eastern Conference where they're now in the playoff race. And – they're they're a move away, I think, from being the team they've been the last couple of years. I don't know what that move is. I don't know if that move is out there. But what do you make of what they've been through here? Well, I think the big issue for them is do they need to settle the whole whose team is it? Um, Tyler Hero and Bam at Abayo have a really good thing going. And they're they're both starting now. And then you have Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler. And they have a, a friendship and a good thing going. But um, Jimmy's been been better lately 
Kyle's coming around. He's effective, but like they don't, they don't seem like the, the they're all on the same page. All four of them on the same court and the same page don't feel like a, a real fit, which is why Hero came off the bench last year. Right. Right. Um, and so either they make that all work or somebody goes. And I don't know who it is. Probably not Hero or Bam because those are the future. So it's it's a um, and probably not Jimmy because Jimmy's their best player still in theory, especially crunch time. Right. Um, so, you know, then but Kyle's contract is such that it'd be hard to find anybody who would give you a lot of value for him. And so then you, why would you trade him for a negative? So there's you know, is there a lineup? Does somebody have to go? Do you change the lineups around a little bit to, you know, kind of the same way Darwin did with Russ? Um, it, you know, that that feels like something that's a little um, unsolved and needs to be needs to be worked on still. Uh, but I think with the heat, like they're always there. That's what that's that's always what impresses me about the heat. Even when even when you see all the po- the problems that they have or the issues that they're working through, they're always there, you know. And like I know there's a they, you know they have Duncan Robinson on a contract and he doesn't play and he's you know whatever it is. But I don't know that you, you, I could see a scenario where he comes back from the surgery that he had and then he's right back in the lineup and he's right back in the rotation. Um, you know Max Struess, the guy who's kind of taking his minutes, and Oladipo, the guy who's taking his minutes. Um, both of the Struess is a free agent. Oladipo is, um, is good, but has been injury prone in the past. So we'll, you know, like they, they just seem to manage their issues. Well, like anything that other teams might get derailed by the the heat just works through them. And I, I I think they'll just, they're always there. And I, I, I don't see them making a big move right now. I think they're the kind of team that is always looking for the next superstar who might be available. Right. Um, and, um, they're very much like the, they're very much like the Lakers in that sense. And that makes sense because also Pat Riley is there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, look, everybody's waiting. You know, is Kevin Durant going to stay in Brooklyn? What happens if, you know, Kyrie leaves? Or, you know, there's that, that trade request is out there and he's played so well and they've played so well since then that it kind of went away. But, you know, see what happens in the offseason. Um, the other team, I think Dallas is a is a really interesting team. I don't see Luca being the type to really make noise and, and cause problems, but he definitely needs some help. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. But yeah. Mark Cuban got upset at an, a mural, uh, a muralist the other day that, did you see that story? No. A muralist, a famous muralist in, in Dallas, who's obviously done a ton of Maverick stuff over the mm-hmm. years, did a mural where he basically said in the mural, Luca needs some help. And Cuban apparently got really upset. I mean, Look, everybody, everybody can see it. You know, like you can see Luca is playing. He plays every single minute of the second half. Yeah. Every single minute. And like the other night when he was in L.A., he played every single minute of the second half overtime and double overtime. Right. You know, I mean, it, that's not sustainable. And then he has to not, um, you know, and then he has to not do anything for a little while and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And so, uh, you know, it takes a, a game off here or there just to recover from this kind of strain. This is not a sustainable model. And I think, but they know that. Like in talking to the Mavs, like they know that this is not sustainable for Luca, and they know they have to get him help. And they don't want to be in a position where they seem desperate. And they, they have they have time for this. Like you don't want to, you don't want to rush into things, which is how you make bad decisions and you get stuck with bad contracts Like you have to undo later. Um, and so like, and they also can't make other teams trade them somebody. But right. I think when you look at the Mavs, you have to look at, Luca in the same way that you look at early stage LeBron in Cleveland of, you know, there was a parade of, of players that they got to try to quote, get him help. Right. Remember the oh. Anton Jameson, Jack. Larry Hughes, Shaq, 
Yeah. Nobody quite, nobody quite worked or was enough. Um, and I think that's, I think that's kind of where the, the Mavericks are with Luca. Like don't, don't be the early stage Cavs where you sort of encumber yourself with, with quick fix band-aid solutions that aren't really enough. Don't do that. You know, make, wait for the right move, even if it costs you a season or two. And I think they, I think they're being patient. And I think Cuban seems patient. Nico Harris and their GM seems patient for now. The pressure maybe in the Dallas market is high, but I, but I think for them, they, they seem like they're all on the same page and they're okay with this. Yeah. I mean, and Luca, to your point, hasn't made waves, although I believe a while back he was asked and he just said, Hey man, I'm under contract. You know what I mean? Like he had, he didn't, those maybe that wasn't, I'm paraphrasing, but it was basically like, he kind of just pushed the question aside. And I think people took that as, Oh my God, he didn't commit to us forever. And it's like, come on, man. Like you need to relax. Like, I know. Relax. I mean, that's, that that's what he should say is I'm under contract because the stars, as we've seen LeBron do over the years, has to put or apply a certain amount of pressure as well to the organization in those scenarios. Yeah. yeah. And he is, you know, Luca, Luca is the, the type who doesn't want to get involved in any of that kind of drama. Right. He just wants the ball. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think, you know, you look at who they need for him the same way you look at who, who LeBron needs, who is, who has Bron played well with over the years, a playmaking guard, Kyrie, Kyrie Irving type, um, you know, Dwayne Wade type or a uh, finishing big, like an Anthony Davis. Okay. There are players like that out there. Okay. And, you know, Zach Levine's a guy that may come available depending on what Chicago decides to do. There's a lot of players in Charlotte um, that would fit that kind of a role. There's, there's, there's bigger names out there. You can, you can think about, but you can't be in a hurry to do anything. Right. There's a, there's a, a lot of play, you know, there's a lot of teams you just kind of have to watch and target and pick the right spot and the right moment to make a deal. But I, I do think this is solvable for them. They just have to be patient. Yeah. Patience is a virtue, but most of these teams don't have it. Yeah. Uh, they, they try to, uh, they try to, uh, you know, espouse the, uh, the virtues of it, but uh, it is not as easy to deal with it in practicality and in reality. Hey, if you missed any part of this, get it on the ESPN LA YouTube, smash the like button, like the, like this video, subscribe to the ESPN LA YouTube page. And of course the audio accompaniment is on the Sedano and Cap podcast feed, wherever you get your podcast, Google, Spotify, the ESPN app, the ESPN LA app, Apple, wherever you get them, you'll get this and you'll get people like Momo who give me a who give me plenty of time and give me plenty of insight. Momo, thank you for the time as always. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a good one. See ya. That'll do it for lockdown. See you later.